2: Welcome back to the French Rookie Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Spotters International and adopted Frenchman, Johnny BT, and former World Cup winner, top 14 Champions Cup winner, won it all, Toulouse assistant coach, Jerome Kano. We will come on to all things Champions Cup, the format, pitch controversies, everything in between shortly. But first, the more important stuff, this time next week, Santa will have come and gone. I don't know how many kids we've got between the three of us, but I know it's a lot. Too many yeah definitely <laughs> yeah how are things in the btk household is it excitement or is it stress my, my youngest uh he keeps asking how he
3: sleeps till santa comes and uh i think the excitement's slowly building but uh for me there's no stress at all i'm pretty chilled i don't want to take the shine off my wife's uh work she's been buying <laughs> all the presents been wrapping all the presents so for me it's just I arrive back from work and just see the pile of presents pile up under the tree so um I'm pretty
4: chilled. Because she is the workshop, the elf, Santa, Mrs. Claus, Mr. Claus. (laughs) It's the (laughs) same in my house. We ask about the stress, but to be honest, I'm having a great time.
2: Johnny, you've got a glass of champagne. You can't be that stressed.
4: No, I'm not stressed. Um, (laughs) I'll probably be more stressed when we're back living with our families for 10 days constantly. So tomorrow we, we drive to Bordeaux, then we fly to Amsterdam, connect to Glasgow. 10 days of probably overeating pantomimes too much to drink family fights scraps the usual at christmas but i can't wait weirdly as well like now not playing you enjoy it because for basically 15 20 years you put it on hold you don't get a christmas you don't get a new year you don't really get to enjoy it or have that family time so it's special so uh no looking forward to looking forward to some time back in scotland but what's it like for coach now jerome do you, do you get a bit of downtime and a bit more because like for instance my last christmas i can remember even being at cast like we got given like weight goals. Like, this is how much time you're allowed to put on when you go home for Christmas and stuff. And if you were one of the bigger boys, you had like four kgs, which was loads. And then I was given like one, two kgs leeway. But now as a coach, will you get time to enjoy it? Have the players got a weight gain to get back under? Like, how's it all looking to lose?
3: Yeah, I think we're quite lucky with uh, the buffer we've got in the top 14. So um, fingers crossed the match against Cast goes well. And um, I think the the team will get a few days off over Christmas and return back in time to prepare for uh uh clement uh, new year's eve so i think the team will get a few days off there's no such thing as a a weight goal or anything like that <laughs> i think it's more <laughs> performance goals but uh yeah fingers crossed it goes well in the weekend and then the team can have a good rest with the family with some of them no weight goals but you just have to say eat one
2: turkey not two <laughs>
3: I think it's more more barbecues because we've got so many foreigners from the southern hemisphere, and around Christmas time, it's more of a barbecue thing than a turkey and and the roast beef. But it, for me, it's still bizarre being around Christmas time and being
2: freezing cold.
3: What do you do, Jim?
2: Do you do a kind of mix of a, of the French and the New Zealand Christmas?
3: No, we try and stick to our traditional New Zealand Christmas with uh, uh Christmas ham and. A uh, roast chicken or a barbecue, and mix in a few of the salmon specialties like uh, raw fish, uh sarmi, if we can.
2: But it's just freezing cold.
3: You do all that, and it just yeah. <laughs> outside of the freezing cold. Yeah. Okay.
2: Either of you dressing up as Santa, doing anything like that?
3: Yeah, I've I've got the the suit ready. I don't want to say <laughs> it too loud because the kids are roaming around. But yeah, I've got it ready in the wardrobe. Took me a while to find a double XL excels- uh, suit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so they not do them at Mintwear, Jerome? No, 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 not yet. Not yet. <laughs> there you go. There's a new line for you. You mentioned you've got a six day turnaround now until that cast game, but then there is a bit more of a gap. But you're playing New Year's Day. So I assume there might be a few days off, but definitely no New Year celebrations, I'm guessing. No, it hasn't been like that for the last few years. So I
3: think the boys have come accustomed to uh, to making sure that that area is um, uh, rugby focused, rugby time. But yeah, it's a quick week for us this week. So I'm sure all the guys will just be ready to perform and then hopefully get a few days off after if we can get the
4: get the performance we want against cast. What about the Frenchies advertising these games as Boxing Day games? Have you seen this? Yeah. So, like, obviously Boxing Day for the rest of the world is the 26th of December, whereas mm. France has advertised LNR Top 14 Boxing Day games the 23rd, 22nd and 24th of December. Like, if they just... Like taking the concept and thought, oh, it's a game line Christmas, we'll call it Boxing Day? Or do you think they've just got confused? I think they just mean
3: because it's around that weekend. It's a good concept. I, I kind of enjoy it having the special balls. And I think I've got a, a Boxing Day ball from the last four years <laughs> playing in those games, just souvenirs. But, uh, yeah, I'm not too sure if they're confused or not. They're
2: definitely confused. It's very <laughs> so fresh, <foolish>, Johnny. <laughs> you just relax.
4: Who cares? I love it. I love it. I think it's great. And nobody said anything either. Was like, yeah, yeah, that's Boxing Day. That's the Boxing Day games. Get on with it.
2: But completely the wrong dates. So I love it. And you mentioned, Johnny, you're travelling back to Scotland. So you look relaxed now. If we speak in 24 hours' time, You're not going to be relaxed, are you? (laughs) You can
4: tell me. You can phone me after. I'll send you a WhatsApp from the second leg. I think, as well, we don't get back into Glasgow. The first flight from Bordeaux is at half five, so we get into Glasgow at, like, 11 at night 11.15 and bedtime normally is around 7.30 8pm so we'll see what state the children are in and that will give you a direct correlation as to what state my wife and I are in uh, in about 24 <laughs> hours time but mate nothing a glass of something won't sort out it would be good to get back and see family and have a laugh and also get some grandparent time chuck the kids straight back into them which will be great so I'm now looking forward to Scotland also maybe go and see like uh, the 1872 Cup so the Glasgow Edinburgh Derby is over December so maybe catch some URC rugby and catch up with some mates so i no, really looking forward to it it be cool
2: right We'll have a chat about the second round of Champions Cup games in more depth shortly and get a guest on too, but let's get straight to it and find out what stood out the most in round two, Johnny. What gets the honour of being the metre moment of the week? It comes from Toulouse. No, oh, of just course it does. So you, here. You, play, you play to the <laughs> gallery, don't you, Johnny?
4: You've you got to play to the crowd,
2: mate. You've got to know your audience.
4: No, look, there was one fella that had comparisons with Mbappe's performance on the sort of French press this morning compared with Messi as well, and quite possibly could be the GOAT in our sport. It does come from Toulouse, but I guess we'll talk about him a bit later with Jerome and our guest. Um, but Antoine Dupont again at the weekend. Oh my goodness. Ridiculously dotted down. Probably one of the best team tries that you'll see in the competition. Uh, coast to coast, started by Thibaut. Flamand played out the back, eliminated maybe six, seven defenders out the back to Roman Intimac. Plays wide to space. Um, really nice piece of interplay between Delibes at Tozan, who was excellent at the weekend as well. Another offload to Peter Aki and Antoine Dupont dots it down 80 metres later. We're so accustomed to see him, seeing him running that support line, but he just does it time and time again. Makes it look effortless, and that was just the start. That was the first half. That was his first try. Another one the second half, a pure foot race, but sheer desire, raw athleticism, the pace on the boy is just freakish. Again, running support lines. If, if you're a young scrum half, look back and see where he starts his run and where he finishes. Just absolutely unreal. So between his two tries, again, his work rate right through the game, his service, his kicking game,
2: he was a freak show again and quite easily the metre moment of the week. I was going to ask you, Jerome, if you agree with Johnny's metre moment of the week. I think maybe we'll just say that the breakdown was also very good in that
3: game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> man, I can't, I can't argue with that. I had another one, but... Uh, Give us your one. Came from the Lions-Star-Francais game. It was the try saver that uh, Small yes. Winger put on uh, against the loose forward in the corner there.
2: There we go. That Johnny, that is a coach. There, you just give it to the flashy stuff, Antoine You We can give it to him every week. I'm,
4: I'm, I'm on high, highlight reel. Jerome's on like the unsung heroes, like the grit, the determination. I, I get it. He, he's, a, he's a forward coach, mate. He has to be. <laughs> but yeah, mate, it was as well. I saw the clip online. It was freakish as well. Really, really, you won't see better. It was, it was awesome.
2: vendor mover.
4: You'll be at Toulouse next season. <laughs> That's it. <laughs>
2: There we go. They were Johnny and Jerome's METER moments of the week. And METER is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer, recently making over 20 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan, and you can get your hands on one at METER.com. Plus, you can now get 10% off any full-price item. All you have to do is enter the code FRENCHPOD10 at checkout. That's FRENCHPOD10, and you'll get 10% off any full-price item at METER.com. Perfect for your Christmas barbecue, Jerome. Nice. Let's talk Champions Cup then. And before we get into the rugby on the pitch, we chatted a bit with Greg about this last week, but there's been so much criticism over the format of the competition over the past week or so. I don't know if if there's been as much criticism in France as there has been in the UK, but Jerome, what do you make of it from a coach's perspective? Would you prefer the old, more straightforward format of a pool of four and you play all three teams home and away or do you kind of like this format
3: i personally don't mind and uh from a coach's perspective there hasn't from from our club there hasn't been too much uh moaning and groaning about the format no i think uh as comparison to the last setup it brings the urgency closer because you, you have to win most of your games or if not for your first two games to to put you in good stead whereas uh when you were in a pool, pool of four you you had a bit of a bad buffer but um no i think it suits the way we like to play and the urgency and uh door diet type attitude that we like to go into games with
4: it suits you boys because you win every game so it's easy it doesn't matter if it's pool <laughs> or it doesn't matter what the format I, I don't know man i think it's been really strange i think fans have voted with their feet like they've clearly shown a lack of appetite um mm. attendances are down and I think when you consider as well, like if you're thinking participation, as many people as we get into our sport, how do we get people to participate, watch our game? Like we've already got quite a complex sport with the rules that we have. And I just think now with the format, again, this is a competition that I grew up in. The pinnacle for me it was the best competition and you absolutely loved it. And I just think it's a little bit Harder for players, coaches, supporters generally to understand that it sort of alienates new fan bases. In my opinion, I'd love to see it go back to simple pool stage just for ease. I think that change in format combined with the South Africans coming in as alienated people, as in- alienated fans. I think as well, there's been a couple of polls like Jerome you mentioned in UK, France, the different markets like. Rugby Rama they, and Midi Olympique they did a poll last week. Like, what do we think? Are we going to participate in this competition next year? And eighty for eighty percent of French rugby fans said they'd be quite happy to see their teams move out and almost partake in like a top sixteen. They'd rather see domestic their bread and butter, um, wow. which they which they'd known for mm-hmm. years, historic for them, and you can see why because. Antoine Dupont came out and said it's no longer the European Cup. It isn't the European Cup. It's still advertised as the European Champions Cup, but it's not a European competition. It's being exp- expanded to the African teams. You know, the key the buzzword, globalised. The amount of people that messaged me saying, this attempt to sort of globalise and generate a new TV revenue has left a poorer product for domestic fans. And something that was once the pinnacle has now become a little bit confusing. And that's like when you have a little bit of hesitation, people vote with their feet. And that's the sad thing for me. When you see the attendances from round one and two. I know it's not the same for Toulouse, but it's it's the sort of teams that are on the edge. Do people come or do they not? Like we saw in, in the the South African teams, the attendances they got, London Irish hosting Montpellier, there was nobody there. Like a host of games where there just wasn't there. And like you're used to seeing these games being the biggest games in the calendar year. And that's where you wanted to go back to. So I'm, I'm not sure if they will revamp it, if they will relook again at South African sides, but it, it feels like a, like a beast version, like a B version of a competition that, I think we all used to absolutely love, we grew up with a new and it's just lost a few people and they could maybe do with altering or trying to find different ways to to bring back a fan base, engage with people and make it simple because that was the beauty of it before. It was pools of four, home and away, you knew what we're getting, you know what you had to look forward to, off you go and do your job. And I think for fans now, it's a little bit more difficult to follow.
2: Uh, certainly on the fans and the attendances point of view, you've got to factor in the fact that the Football World Cup has been going on, whether you're UK or France, that's going to have been having a big effect. The complexity point is one that a lot of people make. And if you can get your head around the fact that you play two teams home and away, I suppose you can just ignore the pools. And you know if you win a couple of games, you're through to the knockout stages, finish as high up the table as you can, you'll get a seemingly easier draw. But in terms of the criticism, we will have forgotten it all when we get to the end of January and you're looking at round four and it's really hectic. And then you've got a longer knockout stage, which surely is a good thing.
4: I would say it's the ease and the broadness of the appeal. In the group stages, that that was the thing, the one thing you look forward to, I think for people generally looking into our game and looking, they'll understand the knockout stages, the fantastic rugby, because don't get me wrong, the quality of some of the games is phenomenal, but it's the ease for supporters or your casual rugby supporter to engage with it. I'm not talking about your avids, your people that will be there no matter what, but for a young family or explaining to kids, like, how does this work? It needs to be simple. Like the more simple it is, the easier it is for people to partake and be part of something and support the club. And I just think it's a little bit more difficult than it was two, three seasons ago. But as you mentioned, Tim, when we get into knockout, the quality of the rugby, the quality of the teams we have, the product we have in terms of what we're watching is way better than it was 10 years ago. To lose at the weekend, Lower Shell away to Ulster, these teams, the way they're performing at this level is phenomenal. So don't get me wrong, I absolutely still love the game, I'm not falling out of love with it. I love the sport. But I just think for your casual rugby fan, they can make it a little bit easier.
2: You mentioned Larochelle Ulster there. Another thing we obviously spoke to Greg about last week. He'd heard the rumours that that game may be moved to Dublin. It was confirmed on Friday after the pitch was deemed unplayable in Belfast. Dan McFarland, Johnny Petrie, pretty much everyone associated with Ulster not happy at all. Particularly because there was a delegation of 160 from Larochelle that were allowed in, and there was no Ulster fans or supporters or any anything allowed in so how's it been reported in France and, and what did you make of it
4: so it almost became, because it's fallen in a French club's favour it hasn't really been reported over here because like it's not a negative news so it wouldn't make a bang but like you can see Johnny Petrie and Dan McFarland's point they did everything they could to maintain the ground they maintained that it was 100% firm but playable but then you have home advantage removed but then to have 160 Delegates, like I don't know any team that I've ever played with as 160 <laughs> traveling delegates in the stadium. That's rubbing it in. Like you've got 160 fans allowed to go in and watch the game. Um, and I'm sure there'll now be an investigation because that's a game that La Shell, they won that first half 29 0, lost the second half 7 29. And home advantage could have made a real difference to Ulster. Like you think the fine margins we talk about and the quality of the rugby we've just mentioned. Ulster there will feel hard done by, and like when you have a 100, like it's almost FIFA-esque. You've got 160 delegates coming in, but essentially supporting La Rochelle and what should be a home game for Ulster. Um, and again, the rugby that we saw and Greg was phenomenal again, like absolutely freakish in the game. Um, but you can see why Johnny Petrie, an old teammate of mine now, MD of Ulster, um, would feel aggrieved. He'd feel really hard done by.
2: And your game, Jeremy, against Sale, it was billed as, the tie of the round by a lot of people and you did give them a little head start early on but after that was that about as well as you played for a while yeah it was it was pretty awesome to see the boys uh front up especially after that little
3: hiccup in the beginning but right the way we we saw uh sale play in their round one against ulster and ulster under a, a walkover team uh, they absolutely bullied them and for us that the preview and the preparation for our game was set just by seeing the way they performed as a unit, bloody physical. So uh for us, we knew we needed to front up and um I'm just glad the boys did in the weekend. It was awesome to see.
4: What amazes me about your teammate is whether it's Manny or a Richie Arnold or a Julien Marchand or a Charlie Famina coming off the bench, like Thibaut Flamand as well, it's the ability of all of these guys to hammer a gain line, like both sides of the ball. But even more impressive is when they do have the ball to dominate collisions, free their hands, offload, and not allow defensive line to set. Like, I know it's the opposite. You talked about the physicality, but like, take for example, the try that Manny created where he just sits mm. somebody down. That's pure physicality, bumps somebody. Yeah. Their defensive line gets shortened because they have to come in and compress. That allows, like, once one offload's gone, they're in trouble. But the quality of Movaka, UU, the handling ability to draw and pass between forwards and finish it like it's so good to watch but it all comes from the yeah. physicality with that little bit of finesse like it's so good fun to watch
3: yeah we'll be working on the our set piece for a while now and uh I think that for us that's a given but it's been a bit frustrating not being able to tie together our attack alongside our uh, set piece and um in the weekend things just happen to stick for us like those offloads that i think that luca tells tried there were nine offloads in that one uh sequence and uh we've been wanting to see that kind of passage of attack for a while and uh for us when it sticks it sticks and it uh, looks pretty good so hopefully that that mojo sticks with us for a while and uh we can see more of that
4: nine offloads in one sequence i've played in scotland teams we've not made nine <laughs> offloads in an entire game
2: <laughs> in an entire six nations <laughs> yeah 100% obviously you focused on yourselves quite a lot to lose but you mentioned you knew how physical sale would be there you're used to that physicality week in week out in the top 14 but from a coach's perspective with other people talking about the south african influence at sale how physical they are what did you see in their game that you sort of prepared for in particular
3: I think it was just their gain line that they were able to create easily against Ulster. And um we've had Ulster for the last three years in the Champions Cup and we know how they play and they're pretty physical as well. So um the way we saw like the the Dupree brothers, the Curry brothers, um, Johnny Hill, the way they were able to just make gain line, make offloads and then and then let their backs run run wild. Uh, for us we knew our forwards needed the fronts. And I think for us that was a The scary part of it, if we weren't able to stop that, how, no, what would the game look like? So I think uh, our forwards and most of our team are on edge uh, for uh, just looking forward to that physical battle.
0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Well, that's the coach's perspective. Now, arguably more importantly, Jerome, let's get a player's perspective. Someone who was really in the meat and drink in the physical side of things and someone who might have a view on the coaching at Toulouse at the moment. Who knows? We'll ask him. Friend of the show, Manny Miyafu joins us. How are you doing? Yeah, good, good.
5: You know, a bit tired, but um, no, we carry on. It's good to be back.
2: We were just getting Jerome's coaches' side of things. So how did it feel out there? Jerome mentioned the physicality.
5: Yeah, yeah. It was definitely, um, it was one of the tougher, uh, like, physically European games that, I've played it myself, but we expected that and we had gone through their video uh, throughout the week and we knew that they were um, a, a physical team and that they, um, you know, they liked it up front. So we were kind of ready for that. And and yeah, it was definitely a physical game and, you know, it was good that we came out on top and um, they're not an easy team despite the score. I think we got some tries that definitely went our way, but um, no, we'll be looking forward to going over there and, and hopefully winning over there as well.
4: So does that mean that the has got the game plan spot on, mate? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> the coaches did their research well. And, uh, <laughs> good,
2: you don't have to say that, you know. Just because <laughs> hey, you can you can say it was all down to the players.
5: No, I think it, I think it was. I think it was spot on. Like we knew that they were going to be um, physical, and we knew that they were going to be strong in the scrums and in their moors, and like they showed they they scored just before halftime with the moors, and like we're a big pack as well. So you know, we we, we thought that we had covered it well and they just held the ball in and and eventually drove over the line. So we knew that they were strong and they proved it um uh, just before half time. So it was definitely something we were trying to to stop. But um no, we're definitely happy with the the win in the end.
2: Jerome, can we get a live review on Manny's performance? <laughs> oh man he, eighty minute man. Uh, he's <laughs> been
3: he's been building awesome uh the last few games that he's been out um out there he's had a few personal uh work-ons that he's uh personally trying to work on and but for me i think he's developing really well there's uh it's pretty it's pretty scary seeing someone perform like that and still he still feels like he's got a long way to go so uh from coach's perspective that's pretty uh encouraging to know that there's a player that's been playing the top three top two standouts every game and still feels like he's got a long way to move
4: you mentioned the step-up physicality. You guys play a big physical brand of rugby, but playing against guys like Johnny Hill in the second row, Tom Curry, internationals, like how did you find going up against those boys, especially in your same position in the second row?
5: Yeah, yeah. I, I think like for me, I was definitely looking forward to it. Um, the, the last final we played, not the last final, but I think about a couple of years ago, um, we played Exeter and I was 24th man. And I think Johnny Hill got, I think he got man of the match or something, but I was just, I, I, I really didn't know much about him, but I was on the bench watching that and I was really like I really loved watching him play. And I went up to him after the game and I said, Oh, you had a great game. Um, even though we lost, but he he just said, you yeah, know, thanks and everything. So coming into this game, I was really looking forward to actually playing him and going up against him. But you know, when you come up against like internationals like those fellas and um the pace definitely does pick up and uh I played eighty minutes, but it was definitely it was definitely a tough eighty. Like we were ahead in the score, but they, they didn't stop coming back. So it was a lot quicker than than the normal top 14 week to week. But, you know, that's a challenge that I I enjoy and look forward to.
2: And you mentioned Johnny Hill. He has got a little bit of a reputation of winding other players up. Did he have a bit of chat out there or did he keep his head no, down? No,
5: no, we, we, we didn't really get into it. I think I heard him laughing, and, you know, uh, Tom was, you know, saying a couple of things, but nah, no. was not getting not it personally, no. All
4: right, Johnny Hill, as the game went on, looked a little bit sheepish and a little bit scared because he was getting pumped. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Whereas Tom Curry from the get-go was in everyone's faces <laughs> with Intermac, he yeah. was getting into a man, and I was like, what's going on? But it looked like there was loads of, chat. obviously there was different events we'll talk about, and there's been um sightings as well, but it looked like they were just trying to like build an it was almost shit housing straight from the get-go. It was like there's so much chat. Did you notice that on the field or not too much?
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I did notice it. And like we, we were telling the boys and from our captain as well, like, you know, the, the word was just like keep our heads, keep our cool. And from like the first minute when they scored their try off that um the prop scored his try. And Tom and Tom Curry went and grabbed Roman. Yeah. And then when we scored, like we kind of gave it back. Peter, to Peter, Peter pushed, <laughs> you know, pushed him off and, and the ref told Peter off. But from the start, um, it was a there was a lot of there was a lot of talk, a lot of push and shove. But, you know, even down to the 80th, like I could hear still hear Tom like going. Like the score's, like way blown out, but he's still going. So that just proves like his passion for his team and, and for the game as well. So um it was a good game, like there was definitely niggle and we we're trying to get under their skin and you know, whatever it takes to win, honestly. But um, no, it, it was good. It was fun.
2: If Tom Curry's up there, who's who's worse? Who's a worst slider? Who's who's got the worst chat on a rookie pitch?
5: Oh, you know, um, so we're going up against him this weekend. Nick Decrispin. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I so I've played with him in Australia and I've played against him and, and we've gotten into like some scuffles and then when I played again uh, with him. I was like, bro, you're actually a really good guy, but on the field, I'm like, can't stand you. <laughs> and uh, but that'll be interesting this weekend. Um, He's a good dude, but man, I, you know, there's some there's some guys who can really get under your skin on the field,
4: mate. There's another one at Cast who, who's been back playing. He's also a coach now, who <laughs> I played with as well. And I was like, this guy, the same, like, great guy off the field, but even when you're on the same team, I'm like, mate, you need to stop Rory Cockett. Oh yes. Yeah, he can't see the reaction. Yes. Like even, even when you're on his team, you're like, oh mate, stop. Please stop. Nobody's enjoying this. Not even there's nobody in the crowd enjoying this. We're not enjoying this. This is not working in the opposition. Please just stop. And then you can see him now. Like now he's passed over. He's a coach. He's like defense and contact skill coach. But he's had to put the boots back on, lace up the past two weekends, and he's <laughs> still going, still chirping, nausing boys up. He is another levels. So he'd be my number one. Um, and he was a teammate. So I'm not sure what you can say. Um, but Jerome, you must have, again, the might of Aussies, you must have played against Jerome. You must have had some guys that are very chirpy over the years. Yeah, I played with a
3: couple, like Dan Coles. He was uh, he was one of the best at uh, pissing people off. Never really tried it against, or when I played against him. But when I played with him, I was like, man, I think there's a line. I think you're crossing it. <laughs> And yeah, uh, he'd always be against the Wallabies
2: or uh, Springboks. He'd uh, love chatting. And speaking of sledging money and giving it to your own team, perhaps, we've mentioned him already for all the good that he does. Talk to me about Antoine Dupont's moustache. Is he getting <laughs> some stick?
5: <laughs> no, nah, not yet. I think everyone's a bit scared to kind of tell them what they think. But I think I think he sleeps with that. I think there's a bit of a change for Antoine himself. Um, I don't think he can grow a full beard. He's still only, like, 19 years old or something, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think he's rocking the moustache for a a bit of change, but I don't know, whatever. You know, if he keeps playing on the weekend, then, you know, (laughs) he can keep it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Do you get to review his moustache on a Monday, Jerome, or not?
3: Oh, we wouldn't, but uh, I'm sure some of the other guys that are closer to him probably would. But uh, we have this, uh, like, a fines wheel where you spin the wheel, and uh, if you do something wrong or... But I'm sure some of the boys would probably pull up his moustache and uh, make him spin the wheel just for having a moustache. He doesn't sit down
2: dying. He'd he'd fight it. He'll fight everything. Is that because he's tight, Jamie? He doesn't want to pay the fine, or is it? He must no, have enough I mean, money to pay I, the fine.
4: He's not tight. You're joking me. He's one of the richest rugby players in the world. Are you kidding?
3: <laughs> every second advertisement on YouTube is bloody uh, Antoine DuPont.
4: <laughs> and every every club you go into, that wheel is different. So it'll be certain fines or. Like in Bayon, my last club, there was fine amounts or there was, you had to like bring the the shower gel for the boys or you had to park yeah. your car behind the stadium over the hill. Like what are, on the wheel, what are the different fines that you can get in Toulouse? You pretty much got it spot on. Like we've got um, wax your arse. We've got um, money fines. <laughs> hold on. Does it have to be arse? Like in Bayon, it was at the discretion whoever got fined the social committee could choose so like if you had a really bad bit of facial hair they could they could wax off half your beard or they could do your chest so if you went to the beach you look ridiculous or they could do your ass but like the, isn't, and to lose a just ass is that what we're saying no it,
5: yeah it's just ass. it's just us unless you've done it like the week before and there's nothing else to wax <laughs> then they go for um <laughs> right right above the the private part so
2: <laughs> <laughs> johnny they've, they've taken it up a notch johnny since your day
4: like they've gone pubes. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's definitely a step up. Yeah, but other
5: than that, that's pretty much it. Like uh yeah, shower gel, you know, coffee for the coaches. Ah, who put that on there? <laughs> oh June, he's the one who with with uh who wrote it all up, so he was the one with all the ideas. But yeah, nothing too hectic. I think no one really minds getting the other stuff. They just don't want to get their ass whacked, so.
3: <laughs> But the the wax, it's like then and there.
5: Oh, yeah. <laughs> on the-, the
3: meeting in front of everyone. So it's crazy. You don't book it in? It's
2: not with a professional?
5: No, <laughs> no, no. They've got wax strips in the room ready to go.
2: <laughs> and you mentioned Julian Marchand. Is he in charge of it all? Or is there sort of like a, a bouncer, an enforcement officer? How does it work?
5: Uh, yeah, there's like a committee. Um, Gitoun um, Roderick Netti, Tom Ramos. You know, m- many of the boys who have... Um, you know, they kind of run that social group and, um, yeah, they plan the stuff with families, you know, team outings and stuff like that. So there's a, there's a social, like, leader leaders group and also, like, on-field stuff. So those boys handle all of that.
2: And we know there's a few on-field sightings that happened in the game at the weekend, but in terms of the off-field sightings for the social committee, any that we can reveal?
5: No, <laughs> not yet, not yet.
2: Jerome, do you want to put any forward? Oh... No, not
3: any official ones, but there's some ridiculous shoes rocking, being rocked around with, uh, with the dress codes that have been worn, but uh, I can't really tell them what to wear because my shoes are probably about 10 years old.
4: <laughs> Name and shame. Who's rocking horrible shoes? Oh, man. It, the, the French boys come in
5: with some ridiculous shoes. Like, they come in and the platforms are, like, like <laughs> high to the ground. It must be – I don't know what it is. It must be something <laughs> like – I don't know. It's like they're Balenciaga or, or like they must be getting these shoes for free. That's why they're wearing them or something. But they're just like this far off. They're they're this far off the ground. They're pretty much wearing high heels. So I don't know who's giving them, who's telling them it looks good. But
4: I mean, they've always been popular with Argentinians historically as well. So like, I don't know why, but they're like the platform shoes. They're really thick soles. It looks like almost half a hybrid of clown shoe, half something out (laughs) of the 1970s but they're bringing it back. The Archies are trying, the French boys are trying as well, but they look terrible. They're yeah. absolutely hideous.
3: When we would travel, uh, Antoine DuPont would wear these uh, Adidas. They're like bright, bright pink shoes. Oh. And he'd walk around the airport with them, but that was around the time when he was like the best player in the world, so no one could really say anything. When you're the best player in the world, you can wear whatever you want.
4: Yeah, but you obviously he needs to stand
2: out even more. He needs to wear bright <laughs> pink, doesn't he? That's what he needs, walking around the airport. is more attention being Antoine yeah. DuPont. And manny just speaking for the rest of the world can i just ask you not to wear those platform shoes you're big enough <laughs> that, that might
5: be it it might be a, a high insecurity for him or something i, don't <laughs> I definitely want to wear them.
2: and speaking of this kind of thing jack willis has just joined you so how is he settling in and has he had to do an initiation
5: um no i think he, he's settling like really well um like as soon as he landed, he was straight into training, and um, he must have been learning some French on the way here or before he got here because um, he, he's picking it up really quick. Um, same with the lineouts; like he's getting his numbers and his letters, like all sorted. So he's picked up the lineouts real quick, and um, he's definitely a professional Jack. So he's come in and he he's learned everything quickly, and um, he's already uh, he already knows our game plan. But you know, Jack's like Jack fits into our game plan, and. Um, he just makes our team better So, And even off the field We had a team dinner After our um, I can't remember which game I think it was a Perpignan game We had a team dinner And you know it, it was good Like you know Jack's a great dude And you know I think he enjoys it here And I know I think he's just on a On a little 7 month contract for now But I hope he stays We'd love to have him And um, if he's enjoying it uh, On the field You know I'm sure the stud Would love to sign him on For longer
4: He's some player. Did you two see Dan Bigger, his initiation at Toulon, and actually getting the mic on the field and addressing the Toulon public in French? How good was that?
5: Yeah, yeah I know. I, I saw that and I was like, and Jack Jack saw his and thought he was he was laughing. He's like, oh, shit. Laughing. And I was like Yeah, I can never <laughs> do that. But I know I think after the game he just skull, he he sculled a beer and but there was nothing nothing to the extreme of Dan Bigger. That was that took some balls, man.
3: No, Jack. Jack put me on, on the spot. I think his introduction speech uh, to the coaches. He spoke. He spoke perfect French, and the coaches, all of them, you know, started staring at me. They're like, oh, he's only been here two minutes, and he speaks better French than you."
4: <laughs> he sat right. That's seven month contract. That's it. You've done me. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> no, he's a smart kid. It's early days, Jim. But why is he like to coach? You mentioned he's smart. Oh, he's easy. He's
3: uh, he's always asking questions. Always uh, ask for advice on what he could do better. Uh, what, uh, little things he does in the game. Does it suit the way uh, the coaches want want him to play? And right for me, it's just uh, just to let him uh, run loose. You know, you know, the coaches wanted him for the qualities that he did. Uh, when he was playing for england and when he was playing for the wasps so we didn't really want him to change too much but um no i think for us from a coach's perspective we want to we want to learn off him as much as he wants to learn off us we want to like his experiences uh his knowledge with the international team and with the wasps how we could adapt our game how we can how we can evolve uh around being with him so um no he's easy to coach
2: and it's great to be alongside him and see him seeing him play for the start. In terms of the initiation, Manny, you normally shave heads, don't you? Is there anything else that Jack's got to look forward to at some point?
5: No, I don't think he'll be shaving his head. So here at the start, we normally do um, our shaving of the heads at camp. So if you haven't played a top 14 game in between our camps and you get to a camp and you haven't got a cap yet, then that's when you would shave your head. But he came in and he was on the bench on, uh, after two days of training. So, you know, he's safe of, of shaving his head. I think he'd suit a buzz cut anyway so he wouldn't be too
4: fast. what was your initiation man did you get head shave or did you do a skit or sing a song for the boys when you first rocked up what did you do uh
5: i can't remember because i was so like it was really confusing because i was back and forth with the s bars and stuff so no one really could keep track of like where i was or like like some camps i went to some camps i didn't and then and they just you know by the time i was playing and then we went to camp everyone just
2: kind of
4: Forgot about it, so. Have you just let slip that you haven't done one either? I know <laughs> <laughs> no, you've been doing camp, one.
5: Yeah, every camp, Uh uh-huh, Peter and David or one of the boys are like, I'm going to bring up that you didn't do anything. Do you <laughs> <mean?"> <laughs> and I'm like, mate, we're four years in. It's too far gone.
2: <laughs> and you mentioned, Manny, that you went out for beers after that Perpignan game. But in terms of in a more official capacity, have you had the Toulouse Christmas party yet?
5: No, no, we do um, No, I don't even think there is one we'll find out. Maybe there's something um, brewing and organising for after this cast game. But um, no, nah, as of yet, we haven't had anything. We had a little thing with the with the young kids at, uh, at the start and we did some um, signatures and, and gift giving. But um, as for us players and the families, I think there might be something on this weekend, but um, that's yet to be announced. No secret Santa then? But yeah, we do have a secret Santa.
4: Who have you got? Uh, Paul Gro. And what's he getting? He's not going to listen to this.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, oh, he probably won't listen
4: to this. Nor will he understand? But um, exactly.
5: No, I, I don't know yet. He loves his fashion, so I might just get him a jacket or something.
4: Or I haven't figured it out yet. Or some platform shoes. Or they got shoes.
2: <laughs> so it's a proper deal. This Secret Santa, you get each other some proper good stuff, not just like well, I was going to mention something obscene then, but you know, not not that kind of thing. It's a proper each other something nice
5: no there is like some guys really come in with some like ridiculous gifts yeah i think last year or two years ago someone bought one of the boys a butt plug so it's definitely you <laughs> does know, happen, it's, <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> does happen but you know paul's just joined this year and i don't know if we're that close that i'd buy my butt plug and he would laugh about <laughs> it <laughs> oh yeah not yet maybe next year yeah.
2: <laughs> jerome do the coaches get involved in the secrets hunter or not no not really I don't
3: think we uh we get inv- uh, we get invited to those kind of parties, but um no with the staff, uh, we don't really do Not last year we didn't and this year we don't. So I think it's too much of a quick turnaround from the boxing day game and boxing day weekend to preparing for the next game, but also mixing that in with some family time. So I think coaches weigh it up and would you have a party or would you rather Go spend some time with the family. But the players love the no, it's awesome that the players get together and um spend their time to to be able to connect. That's what I miss about playing.
4: Manny, you can still ask the coach trend. Like don't <laughs> pretend that you have to be cool. Like this is where this is going. Manny, what know, are you I... doing for Christmas? Because <laughs> Jerome's it, coming. It, it,
3: yeah, I am I invite myself.
5: <laughs> it is actually being held at my house. So those guys who are hanging around um here in Toulouse, they're all they're all coming over. And I'm pretty, I think Jerome's coming over. I'm not sure, but... Um, he, is, he is, is now.
4: There, he is, you are now. <laughs> and what's the food? Is it, we just talked about Jerome's traditional Christmas, but being over here is a mix. For you, it'll be a mix of, there'll be French boys there, so it'll be French and Aussie influence at Christmas time, or what are you going to be cooking?
5: Yeah, it's just a bit, uh, honestly, it's a bit of everything. Everyone's bringing a plate, so um, a bit of Islander influence, um, yeah, like French French food, and just a bit of everything. Everyone's coming with their own plate, and... We've got some, we're chucking some stuff on the, some meat on the barbecue. So there'll be, definitely be plenty of food here. But no, just a mix, mix of everything, really. When he
3: says we're chucking some meat on the barbecue, it's like some, <laughs> some meat. Not How many animals are going on that barbecue? <laughs>
2: and most importantly, just to put Coach Kane's mind at rest, no big night out on New Year's Eve, money. <laughs>
5: yeah yeah no we'll uh we'll definitely be having a quiet one new year's eve yeah we'll be in Clermont, no so won't, won't be any uh any drinks there so once
4: i want to round back i completely forgot to ask you both but we talked about the niggle the naws on the field But we've seen today that Toma Ramos has been cited for two things: for headbutting and for eye gouging. And I'm assuming that's for the action at the end of the game, like you score a breakaway try, you think you score, but then everything gets pulled back. There's a scrap. Like it looked really confusing as well for you boys at the end of the game. Did you see anything happen, or not really? No, I wasn't near the fight
5: um, or or the scuffle. You know, when when these scuffles get uh, break out. Like, I, I'm too tired to be pushing the shopping <laughs> like, I'm, I'm using this time off to catch my breath. So, no, I wasn't I wasn't near it at all. But um, so I, even the sailboys started shaking our hands and everything. And I went to shake the rest hand and he said, no, 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 the game's not over. And he just wouldn't shake my hand. And I was, all right. So I, I just thought they were looking back on if there was anything going on or anything happened. Um, but I start, I took a knee and I started taking all my strapping off. And then um, Josh Brennan had told me that there may have been like a like maybe a punch or something, and so I didn't think much of it. And then when they went back and said, you know, that there was a headbutt involved and and, and Toma got sent off, I was a bit surprised that, that we had to go back and then play again. And they ended up scoring that try at the end there. So I haven't seen too much video on it, but, um, you know, Toma's not a, a malicious guy, like he's not – Someone to go out and, and, and hurt someone like intentionally like that. So it could have been an accident, but um, yeah, I think it's a bit harsh and, and we'll soon find out the, the consequences of it.
2: On a slight tangent, Manny, we had your former teammate Zach Holmes on last week. We saw Steve Borthwick unveiled as England head coach today and we were chatting to him as an Australian about Eddie Jones. And we can get your thoughts on it as well, Jerome, in the international game. Zach was very surprised that they'd made this move so close to the World Cup. He just thought Eddie's record at World Cups was brilliant. Why are England doing this? Do you have a view on it as an as an Australian? And what, what's he viewed as Eddie back in Australia? I don't know too much
5: about Eddie. I know um his coaching success and um like what he's done in the past. And I heard what Zachy was saying and Zachy's got reason. But I think like when it comes down to it, it's it's a bit cutthroat. And um like I think like rugby, even just recently, is becoming a bit more like you know, like these other sports where it's it's more cutthroat if you don't come out with the results and stuff like that. They they cut you straight away. But, you know, whoever's paying the coaches definitely have an expectation and if you know, if their expectation is results and winning and stuff like that then you know, I guess it's their money to, to play with and, you know, their decision to make. So um, I can't say much on that. I don't know Eddie personally or or anything like that, but, you know, these are, you know, as, as a player as well, you know, if you don't perform, you get dropped and, and you don't play. So I think it's just based on performance and results. So, you know, when it comes, when you're talking about it coming this close to the World Cup, I don't, I honestly don't know. I've never been in a international scene or, or even played or come close to it playing a World Cup, but, um, I'm sure Eddie's got plenty of stuff lined up, and you know, finding a job is not hard for him. So I'm sure, I'm sure he's fine. It's just more if England can turn it around in, in a short period of time and make something happen in the World Cup.
3: Eddie's a particular type of character as a coach, and I think the way he was with the media and the public, and uh, I kind of enjoyed his personality. Uh, I, when I played in Japan, I got time to spend. Uh, Got to spend a bit of time with him when he was working with the Japanese uh, side there. He always visited the clubs and always seemed like a great man. But uh, he had his way of coaching. And I'm sure the players that have worked under him would know what what I meant. And we've also seen a few uh, articles circulating about what type of coach he was towards uh, towards his colleagues. But at the end of the day, he did get results wherever he went. And um, that's what I respected him for. And every time I've come across him, he's always been a great person to talk to and chat to. But um, going back to what he was like in the in the media, I, I, I just think with the, the job he had at England, he was kind of headhunted by the media in terms of whether he won or not, whether he got the results or not. So I think regardless of what he did, they were always going to try and find something wrong with the way he was. And um, yeah, I think it's brave of the RFU to... The chop them before the World Cup, but like Manny said, they've they've obviously got a plan, succession plan for what they want and what it looks like. And just didn't happen to have uh Eddie Jones on the on the top of that that list. And you
2: guys have got cast this week. Johnny, is Eddie doing a bit of consultancy work with cast?
4: he's got offers coming out of his backside. He needs a butt plug. That's what you do, say, man. him get one for Christmas. Uh, no, look, apparently he, Too much. He's got... Uh, like, I think he's got two or three NRL sides after oh, yeah. him. Uh, cast have asked him to, if he want to do a bit of consultancy. He's got the USA, apparently. There's been loads of different angles already, but like, he's a talented, hardworking, industrious, successful international rugby coach. Like, He's not going to be short of offers. His legacy is fairly freakish. And and Jerome, you just mentioned as well, as much as he's been maybe hard to work with for some coaches, fundamentally, he's a good man, a rugby man. He's going to find an awesome job somewhere. Um, Whether that's with Pierre-Henri Broncon at CAST, I don't know. I know they've said publicly they want to get him to come and do some consultancy. I saw Eddie, he also did a feature with Midi olympique this morning as well And he was saying, oh, bravo, Galtier, finally you've got a French team that can play a little bit like England. (laughs) You know, just typical Eddie, like shooting back, taking the piss. And he's back on it. You know, he'll be focusing on his next role, wherever that is. And I'm sure he'll take all
2: of his mischief into wherever he goes next and he'll do another good job. And Manny, you mentioned there that you've not been involved in international rugby, but we know from having you on before and from you speaking to Johnny recently, you've just taken your french citizenship test haven't you
5: yeah yeah so um yeah i did do my interview and i was uh i I shot johnny a message like the night before (laughs) my test because every every french person i spoke to they said you're gonna be fine you're gonna be but i was thinking like they don't do the test like they just get their passport so i'm like why am i asking someone who's never gone through it and so i asked johnny like the night before and he sent me a bunch of stuff
2: he terrified you basically the night before he terrified yeah yeah
5: he did he did (laughs) He did. He said, "Oh, they grew you for forty-five minutes," and but I don't think I got the same test as Johnny because I went in there and we took a few photos and they asked me a couple of questions and oh, went mate. back, signed a few photos and stuff, and then everything was all good. So it wasn't as wasn't as tough as Johnny's interview. So why the seams of it?
4: <laughs> mate? I, let's just say Fabian Galtier didn't set up my interview. That's all I'm <laughs> going to say. <laughs> this is clearly been set up. So it was a scoosh for you. I may I was shitting it. I studied for like a month because I wanted to nail it. But if I'd been you and know, I'd take a few photos, it would have been very different. Um, so I'm guessing you got it then. It went well. I'm assuming you actually went through the test. You didn't have to take just a few photos. You actually did some serious bit. surely.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there was a lot of questions about the... French history and stuff, but, um, yeah, no, it was, it was like, it was scary. Like, uh, like, um, you can like speaking French is one thing, but then, you know, when you have to speak French about French history and stuff like that, um, it is nerve wracking and like part the passport is a, is a big thing for me, like, um, like for my future and stuff. So a lot of it was, was weighing down on the, on this interview. So, um, it was good that it that it went well and now it's just a waiting
2: game. How long does it take to get the results, do you know? Yeah, so I
4: got like you get an email which comes through like eight, nine, ten months after that interview. That might just be in time for some warm-up games before World Cup in two thousand twenty-three. <laughs> the timing actually quite good, bro. Um but seriously, like what's your latest contact like with Fabian? Are you staying in touch? Is he keeping tabs on your progress? Do you have contact through the club with the national setup with William Serbat, like you mentioned? Is that all still continuing or how's that going?
5: No, no. There's that there's actually been like nothing at all. Um which I find which for me as a player, I kind of wanted it to be. Like this, I kind of wanted like because there was always questions about um, playing for France and stuff like that. But there was no real legitimacy about it because I hadn't had my passport. And if I do get my passport, like who's to say I'll even get picked? So for me as a player, I kind of wanted to put all the French side of um, French talk aside and just play for Toulouse. And when I do get my passport and I do, you know, hopefully get picked and stuff like that, then we can discuss my progress into the team and stuff like that. But no, there's been no chat with Fabian. Um, my, my focus now is playing for Toulouse and playing well. And then, you know, and getting this passport as soon as possible for for hopefully Six Nations and then um, into World Cup. But that's my focus. And then, you know, maybe we can talk to Fabian then. But no, there's been no chat. Like, there's only been internal chat with the with Toulouse. And like what I want to do as a player and where, where, where my goals are at and how we're going to get there with, um and how we're going to do it so you know i'm just focused on getting better and i think if i can play at the best that i believe i can i think that that french stuff will all follow
4: mate that's awesome to hear and and we talk about those goals they can be incremental they can be big changes but like would you mind sharing like things that you'd gone through with coaching staff or ways that you want to adapt your game because you talked about not being the finished product but the raw pieces are absolutely there, mate. Like your performance at the weekend was outstanding again. But in terms of you moving yourself forward and becoming a more rounded player, what do you feel like you need to add those little add-ons that you want to change?
5: Yeah, I think like I, I work real closely, um, which might not be surprising with the SNC coach. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we uh, like work real closely, like and like I think it's for well, a lot of big boys, like um our actions are a big plays and our actions you know, make a difference within the game, but it's just all about um, repeating those actions throughout the 80 minutes. For me, I want to be, um, like, we're working on being a bit more explosive, um, not, you know, running the same pace throughout the whole game. Like a player like Thibaut Flamont, when he scored his try, like, you know, only Thibaut could have finished that. He ran that line hard and he's he's fast. You know, he's quick on his feet. um, He's got his long strides. So for me, like, working on my explosiveness and just being a bit more agile around the field and, and just doing those repeat efforts um, from the first minute, from kickoff to, to the 80th, um, doing like big actions, big carries, big tackles, but just doing it more more consistently and hopefully being able to do that, not only in top 14, but also at international level.
2: And Manny, after the game at the weekend against Sale, did you go out and celebrate and watch the World Cup final? Because it started pretty much as your game finished, didn't it?
5: Yeah, yeah. So they played it um, on our screens at the stadium, uh, so as soon as the the whistle blew and um, we had, sit, you know, did our little round around the walk around the stadium, they they put the game straight up. And then at our uh, our sponsors and you know they had a at the back they had they had the game on every screen, so um, everyone was there, everyone was watching. And you know, uh, Argentina got on top. What a game, though! But I don't watch a lot of football, but I watched that game. That was that was a crazy game.
2: And you've got a couple of Argentinians in the squad, haven't you? So yeah. have they been giving it some, Jerome, in the change room already? Or no, they're they're pretty chilled, but I've I've walked through the change
3: room and the staff offices uh this morning and there's um there's a picture of Messi on pretty much nearly <laughs> every locker in the professional change room. And in the <laughs> in the coaches on the coaches' door, there's a at the end where all of them are where Messi's holding the trophy and they got the team photo. There's a few on uh, the doors upstairs in the the coaches' offices. So I think that's their way of rubbing rubbing it in. But if you were to see them within the group, they'll be so quiet. They're they're really uh, respectful. But inside, they're pretty much um, celebrating.
5: No, there's a there's a lot of photos going into our into our players' group of of just a bunch of messy photos, Argentinian photos, being stuck onto onto the French players' lockers. And I think I don't know which one it was, but they had written. I think there's a Argentinian chant or something or a song. And they've written the lyrics on like pieces of paper and they've stuck it on the lockers. So <laughs> I think that's their way, their way of rubbing it into the to the French boys. But nah, it's uh, it's all fair game. They were, the French boys were talking it up before the game, and when Argentina had lost their first game, so I think they're getting their revenge
4: now. Like speaking, some of the boys down at Castle, Benjamin Urdabijeta, the ten, had placed a bet with something. I think ten of the players. So if he had, if Argentina lost he had to sing the French National Anthem in a French jersey with a French flag and go on social media and do it every day. If Argentina won, he gets to pick like one player every day, has to get an (laughs) Argentinian Messi strip, Argentinian flag and sing the... Argentinian national anthem on social media. So today it was Mathieu Babio, the cast captain, was on his oh. social media with oh, all, his, no. all listening to him singing in Spanish in the Argentinian anthem. So they'll be loving it down there. I imagine there'll be a few, because there's RG's everywhere in France, man, in the top yeah. 14 in Prode 2. There's so many good players um, throughout the league. So I'd imagine there's a fair few bets lost and a fair few RG boys enjoying this
2: week in, in France, 100%. We'll let you go in a minute, Manny, but given our chat earlier on, I think we should keep you on for this bit because we're partnering with Manscaped in the lead up to Christmas. So before we give you the details on where you can get your hands on one and they make a great Christmas present, let's face it, no man should be without one. We sent one last week to Winnie Antonio on the advice of Greg Oldrup. We've got a couple that we can send down to Toulouse. So one from you, Jerome, and one from you, Manny. Who needs the most? Who's the hairiest teammate. Who's got the biggest bush? Who needs one? Oh,
5: I'll go first.
2: <laughs> <If> <laughs> that came quickly.
5: Year, <laughs> if this was last year, there's a few candidates and it would have been Max Max Medard or Joan Uge. Those guys are always shaving and leaving their hair around. Max Medar shaving his beard and, and Johan Uge, like he's a hairy guy, but he likes to stay clean. So he's always so he would have enjoyed that. But now I'd probably say and Gitsin like that guy he loves to keep clean he's always walking around you know butt naked and he loves his body so he's always looking after himself so I'm sure a little manscape razor would do him well and he'd enjoy it Christmas.
2: and who's the opposite of that who maybe wouldn't necessarily buy one but if you've got him in Secret Santa you could send him one Manny oh
5: there's not there's not a lot of hairy guys in our team, but probably Charlie. Oh, yeah, oh. just <laughs> to, to shape up
3: their beard. Either Charlie or uh David.
2: I know I think they those locks need to go. Yeah, there we go. We will send one to each of them. And for anyone else who wants one, they're a great bit of kit. And you can get your hands on one Manscaped products with 20% off and free shipping. All you have to do is go to manscaped.com and enter the code LeFrench. That's LeFrench. At Manscaped.com, and once you've done that, Jerome, you need some pants, right?
3: Yep, twenty percent off if uh, you use the promo code FRP mintware If you go on to Mintwear.co, sort you out.
2: I see what I did there? That was so smooth, wasn't it? <laughs> Seamless. <laughs>
5: Are the boys rocking them at Toulouse? Yeah, everyone. I think. Yeah, no. Jerome needs a bit. Like he needs more money coming in do his pockets because <laughs> he's been giving the boys boxes and like everyone wears them. Well I know for me and um a lot of the big boys like that we love them like and, and they're like my game day um briefs. So no they're they're my they're my everyday briefs and I need to start buying them instead of getting them for free.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's this one is definitely the coach's pet, Joe. I can see he wears your boxes. <laughs> he's having you round for Christmas dinner. No, I'd have to tell the trainers not to give them any extras at training. So
4: I'll uh, sort them out. Here's your Christmas present, Manny. You won't get a butt plug yeah, yeah. this year. No extras. <laughs>
2: <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, Manny. Good luck over the festive period. And it sounds like you flew through the French citizenship test. So fingers crossed for 2023 as well.
5: No, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Love being on here. Merry Christmas and happy new
4: year. Talk soon. You too, mate. Thanks, so thanks well. a lot. Thanks, guys.
2: Great to have Manny on. We've had him on before, Jerome. Really good guy, and I'm guessing he's one of those that sort of glues the change room together.
3: Yeah, no, he's a good character. He's big, big uh, unit, but uh, in the change room, he's uh, gets along with the French guys, gets along with uh, everyone. So he's always uh, connecting with different groups. And um, but the surprising thing, he's still quite still young. And uh, what he's able to do on the field, but also just uh, how mature he is off the field, it's uh, just awesome and a pleasure to
4: coach as well. Anyways, your pants—it's the full package. Anyways, man,
2: (laughs) absolutely. And he was modest about it there, and he obviously doesn't want to get ahead of himself, and he wants to do it in the right way, which is great to hear. But if Fabian or anyone else asks you, I'm assuming he'll get a glowing recommendation. Well, yeah, of course.
3: I'm a huge fan of uh, what he's able to do, and I'm sure he's more than ready for the next level but uh like as many said if there's one place that you can you can solidify your position at international level and it's uh with your club team whether it's uh, Toulouse or wherever you're playing but we're just lucky that he's with us if he's able to put out those performances for toulouse
2: then uh he'll definitely be putting a case up for the international team right let's round up the rest of the champions Cup action and Johnny the Ospreys they'd won one of the last 25 European away games. Hadn't won in France since 2008. What on earth happened in Montpellier?
4: I don't know. You need to ask the Montpellier boys. Uh Look, Paul Valempsi's, I think, 100th or 150th game for the club. So massive occasion for him. But they just, like Philippe Saint-André was talking French press again this morning about just he has no idea how they managed to have so little engagement or desire for the game. A complete non-match, he described it. So... I don't know, man, but like if you don't engage yourself in a game, no matter who the opposition, and the Ospreys have got some quality players Tom Bota, tight head prop, used to play for Montpellier, Justin Tipperet coming back, like top class players. And if you don't engage yourself physically and mentally in a game of rugby, no matter what the difference in, you know, pay packets or structures in clubs or infrastructures, you pay. Um, And Montpellier, really, after going away, to london irish and doing the business really let themselves down against the ospreys with a really poor performance which isn't like them they've been really good and even they have a simplistic template and a game plan they play with which is direct aggressive abrasive and it just didn't work they didn't pitch up so a really weird performance and a really shoddy home loss for them
2: and there's a few other french teams with some thinking to do johnny because you mentioned last week that a few french teams could lose interest if they lost their first couple of games and at the bottom four in pool a is bordeaux yeah. Leon, Racing, and Cast at the moment, all having lost two from two. So do you think they'll be fielding kind of understrength sides, maybe taking it less seriously in January or because we know from last year that you can make it through with just a win and a few bonus points? Do you think we might see them bouncing back?
4: I think they'll pinpoint their home games. Um, I don't think they'll be fielding strong sides away from home. Um, like if you go through those teams, though, like Cast, I actually felt sorry for. They were excellent in Edinburgh. With a second 15 and really could have won that game, Rassing, the game was flipped on its head away in London to Quinn's. Kami picked up that red card and the game was essentially yeah. over. The Sharks, actually to fair to them, came to Bordeaux and they were excellent. They came to Bordeaux, which is a hard place to play. They were physical, they were abrasive. It was essentially a springbok performance by the Sharks. Uh, But I think now with those sides we've just mentioned, like in Pool A, Pool B is a different kettle of fish because you've got La Rochelle and Toulouse that are are leading the charge. But in Pool A, I think you might see a white flag uh, be flown for those away games. They might try and pip it out and try and get a key home victory, but it'll be slender. The chance of going through, as you mentioned, even now they'll go through and they'll play away against one of the top seeds in other pools. So it's going to be difficult. I think now you'll see for those sides, their focus will return to the top 14, which will be their bread and butter. They won't want to lose any more players to injury um, or pick up knocks away in games that they don't need to be travelling for. So I think the away games, you might be seeing top 14 side-sending the kids. The Espoirs might be getting some game time. The bomb squad, as we used to say it. But <laughs> they'll try and pick up um, a big win, maybe
2: a bonus point win at home, and then give themselves a chip and a chair to maybe go through. And all that talk, Gerard, of weakened teams, it, it's not ideal in the European competition. You want it to be the pinnacle. You want the number one team to be going out every game. But isn't it just a reality of modern rugby where we're at at the moment? There are too many games and you can only play players in a certain number of games. So you're going to have to target the odd game, aren't you? Yeah, it's something that I've got to try and wrap my head
3: around because in the Southern Hemisphere, and uh, yeah, we do have a lot less games. All, you're always sending your best team week in, week out. Whether you're, you're out of playoff contention or not, you're going to send your best team. And that's something I need to get my head around and, and learn a, lot, a little bit more about is that uh, over here there are a lot more games in which competition do they prioritize whether they're in uh, contention or not so yeah for me it's not in my thinking but it's uh something that i've still got to try and understand and learn um, and I guess it depends what kind of club you're talking about as well. Um, some teams still like to keep their winning reputation, whether they're, they're losing or not. They still want to try and win. And then some teams want to focus on either the top 14 or their their respective competitions.
4: I think the difference for us, Jerome, like you coming from Super Rugby and me coming from URC, is the simple reality as well, as well of not having or well, the number of games, but also relegation. Yeah, There's, there's no chance of being rele- And in top 14, you win three or you lose three games you can really quickly find yourself in a relegation yeah. battle uh, and again that's something that we didn't grow up with so it's not natural but you can see why there's much more of a tendency to protect like your bread and butter and your domestic competition because if you don't perform really quickly you can get relegated which would be horrendous to one of the top sides in the top 14 so it's weird culturally growing up with something different but then i also completely understand why they have to put much more of an accent and invest further into the domestic comps as well
2: and just quickly before we go Finn russell to bath confirmed now how will we look back on his time in paris
4: well geez it sounds weird to say like there's a lot floating around the press about a one million pound contract which sounds really weird when you when you put it in the context of like a a cost of living crisis but almost like a cost of rugby crisis where we've just lost two premiership sides, but they want to buy success and Finn is one of the best in the business. It's also a step closer to home for him and his missus who just had a little Charlie, a new arrival. And how will he look back on it? Look, I'll look back on it with pride. Like I hope he looks back in the same way, but um, for me, incredible pride to watch a fellow Scot, a Scottish 10, incredible to watch, light up the top 14, represent himself, his family, his country
2: really well. And obviously the rumor Mill, Is in full swing as it is every week. The latest is that Joe Simmons could be going to Racing from Exeter to fill his boots. If that is the case, wildly different players, aren't they?
3: Oh yeah, I think they're different, but both equally as influential. I think, um, like as Johnny said, with um, Racing are a different team when he's playing and when he's not playing. Joe Simmons is similar. He's he runs that uh, Exeter setup and they're a different side when he's playing with the. the duo that he has with um, Slade and their backline, So I think uh, he'll be a good fit, but both two different players. I think Joe's a lot more structural where where Finn's a lot more, more instinct to X-Factor and he's able to do some freakish things. Two different players, but I'm sure they'll be both as influential in their respective clubs that they play at.
4: And you've got to think as well, whoever is there working under Stu Lancaster, which is systems, slick. Operating a really high level, they're going to fly.
2: And another All Blacks coming to the top fourteen isn't he dream?
4: Peter Gus apparently he's
2: going
3: to uh, Clermont, but uh, it's uh, it's a double whammy for them because I think his wife's going to play for yes. the, uh, the women's team. So which is which is awesome for him to be able to have that package, have that relationship with the club, extra relationship with the club, and mate, he's an awesome signing if they uh, well when he arrives. X factor, um, power, speed. And uh, absolutely suits the way that Clement play and also suits the way that teams like to play in the top 14.
2: They're getting the checkbook out, aren't they, Clement?
4: I think they need to. It is the They've lost a lot of key players. You look at their 9 and 10, Para, Camille Lopez have both left in the last season. They're going through transition. Arthur Aturia has just announced he's leaving, going to Bayonne, which again, a lot of people three years ago would say "Would something like that would never happen. That's a downgrade for a, a player of his caliber. Why would they go? Well, Clermont are in transition themselves. They look unsure and they're going to have to buy big. It looks like they might lose Damian Peno as well. We don't know if that's sure or if it's done, but transition, they need to make a few big statement signings, reassure the players that are there and then get themselves stability as a club so that John O'Gibbs and his side can work properly with quality players and guide them back to success. Because again, we talk about a juggernaut of a club over the past decade under Joe Schmidt under Vern Cotter and they've looked a little bit unsure so this is a really important phase for them to get it right with the signings they make in summer and come back next season better and Mohamed Haas may be getting there as well yeah so released Montpellier looking to release a bit off their salary cap Um, so they've allowed Momo Huas to move out before the end of his contract which I think ran to 2024 uh, mate, he's another one, like a lightning quick tight head prop, technically very good scrummage, gets around the field, very mobile. And again, they've had big tight head props in the past with Zirakishvili, um, Slamani as well, and they're looking for youth now, and he's a big part of the future.
2: Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Jerome. Thanks to all you guys for listening as well. Make sure you hit subscribe, leave us a nice review if you can, check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube, and have a great festive period, whether it's round at Manny's or not, Jerome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks lads Have an awesome Christmas Have a good Christmas guys Cheers guys Have a great festive period To all you guys out there as well And we'll be back With another episode In 2023 World Cup year Johnny
4: Manny's year mate It's going to be Manny's year Oh fingers
2: crossed Au revoir guys Au revoir
4: See you fellas Bye